Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Lease Podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua Insamo, joined by my co-host, Bryson Poza, here to talk to you guys today about your favorite team in the National Hockey League, your Toronto Maple Leafs. Bryson, welcome back to the show. It's been a very, very interesting week and we've got a ton to talk about here today. Uh, let's start off with a little intro. How are you doing today? And uh, say hi to the listeners. Hello again, listeners. It's good to be back on once again. Yeah, this has been a crazy week, I would say, uh, if you're a Leaf fan. There's been lots going on, lots of high-scoring games. The goaltending issue is still a problem. And, uh, yeah, I mean, on top of that, we've just had back-and-forth games against teams that the Leafs, you'd figure, should win easily, but that hasn't been the case, unfortunately. And, yes, we're here to talk about that today. Well, you know, looking at the Leafs' schedule this week, it started off with the loss to the Vancouver Canucks, which we talked about, 6-4. to four. Then we go to Monday night. They're in Columbus. They win that one, 5-4, actually. And then we have the back-to-back, and then they welcome Seattle at Scotiabank Arena. They win that one, 6-4. And then we go to Thursday, where they lose in overtime. And we are going to have a special guest coming on midway through the episode, as we kind of teased last week for our loyal listeners, uh, you know, we thought that we'd give back to you guys because it has been a really, really down week, which is kind of weird because the Leafs did actually win twice this week. Uh, but, you know, here in Leafland, one loss is uh, the end of the world. So, you know, that's kind of our fault. But uh, we're going to give some positives to you guys. So with that, let's start off, Bryson, with the l- win, actually. Yeah, let's start with the win. The win in Columbus, 5-4. Uh, the game opened up with Mikheyev scoring his 10th of the year. Mitch Marner followed behind, scoring his 22nd. Austin Matthews netted his 40th. Uh, then Sean Corrali made it 3-1, uh, followed by Olivier Borgstrand, who scored for Columbus, making 3-2. Uh, then Jack Roslovic scored to tie it up. But Kerfoot and then Bunting uh, scored back-to-back in the third period, and Line scored with about 40 seconds left in the frame to uh, make the scoreline look a little better, I guess, 5-4. Tell me, is there anything from this game that really stood out to you that you want to talk about as we recap this game quickly? Well, I think just pretty much what I mentioned off the top, I think the goaltending issues have remained an issue, and that is what I said right off the top, and really nothing's changed with that. I mean, Peter Morazic was the one who started here and allowed four goals, uh, like you mentioned, going through the box score, so... As much as the Leafs went up and then kind of surrendered a lead and then regained it later on, it's just this week in particular, you know, all three games combined, what they all have, I guess what they're all similar about is that they were pretty much all roller coasters, back and forth, high scoring, and uh, just really unpredictable when you're trying to sit down and wonder what's going to happen next with the goalies. And uh, that's, I think that's the one frustrating thing uh, that pretty much comes along or comes after the fact of that. But, of course, it's also been exciting hockey to watch. You can't deny that. You always like high-scoring games, back-and-forth action. But as a Leaf fan in particular, definitely a little bit stressful. And, um, you know, for that as well, it was the start of a back-to-back on a Monday. And, of course, like you said, we're going to mention the Tuesday game after this one. So it was the beginning of a back-to-back. And I guess at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that you came away with two points, especially on the road in Columbus. All right. With that, let's go to Seattle. And, uh, you know, 
Kraken came to Toronto for the first time playing at Scotiabank Arena. It was a very exciting game in that aspect. I always enjoy Leafs in Seattle because, you know, it's a very new matchup. Uh, this game was interesting to say the least. Matthews opened up the scoring, his 41st of the season. Uh, then Carson Soucy followed behind to tie the game. Uh, then John Tavares and Willie Nylander scored back-to-back at late in the first and then midway through the second. Uh, then Wenberg scored, followed by Colin Blackwell. So it was tied at three. Then Jaden Schwartz scores early on in the third period, kind of creating controversy here in Toronto until Austin Matthews comes to save the day, followed behind Mitch Marner and then Austin Matthews again to finish the night with a hat trick. Leafs win 6-4. This was a wild game, you know, very fast-paced hockey. Uh, Jack Campbell kind of struggled. Philip Grubauer on the other side kind of struggled. You know, this was definitely not a match for the goaltending. That is for sure to say the least. Me and you have talked about goaltending basically, I think, maybe every single podcast that we've done in the recent stretch here, which makes sense because it has been abysmal, and that's a tough word to use, but it's been abysmal. Uh, tell me, you know, you have some uh, bias, I guess, because you love the new Seattle Kraken team, but tell me uh, anything uh, from this game that really stood out to you. Well, I think the thing that stood out was that fact again very similar to what we saw the previous night in Columbus and this was a game that the Leafs should have had right from the start and that wasn't the case I know they came away with the win at the end which is good to complete the back-to-back but things went back and forth and uh, again it just it just seemed like a game that the Leafs should have had on paper especially with a team like Seattle where they basically have nobody I mean 17 and 35 and or sorry 17 and 37 and Philip Grubauer is another one who's had a, a terrible year it's been a complete de- debacle for him after signing that uh, contract in the offseason, pretty much leaving Colorado for that. So that's a little bit surprising to me. But, I mean, Austin Matthews, probably one of the highlights again here. Another kind of player bailing out the Leafs in a way, keeping the momentum going, keeping things or, you know, steering the ship back in the Leafs' favor. And I think that was pretty much one of the main pieces of that one. And, again, it is electric to watch. I mean, the building seemed very electric. Josh, you were there. I'm sure you, you can confirm that. And the same story happened, though. I mean, that's three times I'm mentioning it. What do you know? The goaltending struggling once again. And uh, that has been the issue all year. And this was actually Jack Campbell's last game before it was revealed that he is going to be out for a minimum of two weeks with that rib injury. So I guess we'll eventually talk about that, too. So fire up the trade speculation because it made, that added a, the cherry on top for that. There's lots of speculation going around now because of that in particular. But, yes, he's another one, unfortunately, who has been struggling. And they continued on um, Tuesday night against the Kraken. So as much as they come away with uh, those four points, which, which obviously matters at the end, still a little concerning because of the back and forth and you know just surrendering leads. It hasn't been exactly the sharpest few weeks for the Leafs, but they are finding a way to, con- or to continue to get it done. So you can't really fault them for that one. And uh, they're doing the best they can, especially on the blue line and uh, the goaltending and pretty much the offense right now in terms of in particular, Austin Matthews is the one that's bailing them out right now. Yeah, that's what makes this so interesting. Like, we're looking at a Leafs team right now. Goaltending is a clear problem. A lot of people talk about the defensive structure as well. Yes, that's also a problem. But Austin Matthews, I every time this guy scores, I always wonder, what would happen if this guy just had a regular season? You know, like, what if he just was a 30-goal score? Like, just a normal, average, really good NHL season. Where would this team be? Would they be in a wild card race? Would they even be in a playoff spot? Like, I look at the Islanders and how they're struggling. Like, that's a scary thought. Like, 
as much as I love Mitch Marner and I love Willie Nylander and John Tavares and Morgan Riley, like Austin Matthews really leveling up this year and taking that next step forward. And, you know, Sheldon Keefe has praised how he is off the ice in terms of the locker room, the leadership, and how much he's grown in that way. I just wonder, like, really, if Matthews didn't become this elite talent, arguably the best player in the league this year, where would this team be? Bryson, does that make you nervous before we go to Arizona? Like, where would we be without Austin Matthews? Well, it's safe to say a lot of these games that they win late because of Austin Matthews probably wouldn't be exactly all guaranteed to happen. I'm sure they would still get away with some, but definitely not a guarantee that all these games that they have won because of him are the reason for it. And that's why, you know, just having him is a privilege. And it's an honor watching him every day in and day out. I mean, in the Rocket Richard race, and of course, probably going to be up for the hard consideration as well. So another record-breaking season for him. He's continuing to play well despite, you know, the ups and downs of the team overall and pretty much, you know, the previous years of playoff failure. He's still hanging in there, and he's still leading the way for this team, which gets you excited and which gets you optimistic for a potential playoff round again this year. So, you know, the other thing, too, is I think he – it just feels like each year, though, he's getting better and he's getting – even more comfortable and it just seems really hard to do that because of the previous year where you watch him and pretty much you see everything he does and then he kind of one ups it every time and I think that's what makes you kind of just be in disbelief all around so especially playing on a line with Mitch Marner we know the chemistry ever since they've started playing together or consistently has been pretty much there from the start you know Michael Bunting's fit in really well in that line as well so that them three right now you know that line in particular too they've just been dominant it has been one-sided it has been fast it has been crisp it has been smooth it's been leading the goals it's been leading the points record-breaking seasons for michael bunting who is you know in the rookie of the year consideration now i mean you can't take that away from him as much as the age difference compared to the other uh candidates so you have him you have mitch marner who's continuing to play well as, as well so that line in particular though just dominant day in and day out and i think Obviously, the main factor of that is definitely because of Austin Matthews. So he's got to keep going. And as much as, again, the team's been up and down at times, he is legitimate uh, in legitimate consideration for the Rocket. And again, like I said uh, before, for the heart. Yeah, well, leaning on the topic that we're discussing, before we get to Arizona quickly, uh, Willie Nylander is an interesting talk. Like, you know, we're talking about, like, this team and how much it relies on number 34 but you know early on in the year Nylander had you know a fantastic start uh was arguably one of the probably the best player for the first 10 games I'd say before Matthews really hit his stride people forget how far Matthews actually was in terms of the Rocket Richard race and stuff like that a lot of people said that you know he wasn't going to win it this year but we remain positive and that's paying off for listeners of this podcast because you know we talked about that but Willie Nylander in Seattle, you know, he, okay, he has had four points in his last two games, but he was on, he was a dash three. And then you go into Arizona, he was moved onto the fourth line, which really turned some heads. You know, obviously a player of his caliber. We saw what happened when Mitch Marner got moved to the fourth line when Babcock was here. It was electric in the media's eyes and it was everywhere before pregame. And, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was over, you know, it was a major overreaction. Like we're, Sheldon Keefe has clearly stated that he wants to roll all four lines. That third line right now with Mikheyev, Engvall, and Camp, it's been really working. So, you know, obviously they're not going to break them up. 
uh, Nylander, it, but that wasn't a fourth line that the traditional fourth line for most of that game, right? Like they were getting their usual line rushes. It was supposed to be rolling all four lines, and that's why they had Nylander down there. It wasn't going to be to just, you know, demote him or anything like that. Nylander's still a vital piece of this team. And we see how much Keith like, knows that, and that's why he bumped him up to the Tavares line throughout the game because you know, he wasn't just going to dash his ice time for no reason. Like, Nylander is a, a vital piece here. And you know, I just wanted to talk about that. Uh, Nylander on the fourth line, is that something you would like to see moving forward in terms of spreading out the depth overall? Honestly, I don't know how serious I take it because I know that anything could change at any given moment, especially during the game as well. We've seen pretty much Sheldon Keith short in the bench. Uh, especially, you know, in particular from a couple nights ago against Arizona. So, you know, a lot of it is being moved at the same, you know, just throughout the entire process. And nothing's really set in stone besides that first line from Bunting, Matthews, and Marner. I think other than that, I think everything else is potentially fair game. I mean, you've seen Nicholas Robertson move up there. You've seen Alexander Kerfoot be on the second line at times. You've seen Andre Kasha be up there at times. And now you're seeing Nylander moving down. So Sheldon Keith is doing the best he can pretty much rearrange that those bottom six forwards in particular the third and the fourth line so he's doing everything he can like you said to maximize the depth again it doesn't really bother me no definitely a little bit surprising in a way just because it's something that we're not used to and that's why i think a lot of heads turn but of course leafland probably making an overreaction over it um for you know not as much of a particular reason as they should i think and you know pretty much like you know it's just for me especially with the the bottom six it's just something that i think comes along with what sheldon keeps doing i mean we've seen jason spets have been in and out of the lineup wayne simmons has had games on the third line you know previously as well so everyone's moving in different spots he's doing the best he can to maximize the depth and you know he's just doing everything he can to make everything work he's trying to figure out actual pieces that can click for you know a long period of time and he hasn't seen that unfortunately throughout the year but i think that's also one of the good parts about having a lot of depth and having the availability to rearrange those bottom six forwards. You know, it, who's to say, you know, you're not allowed to move that around. Why do you have to keep it the same every single time? You have to make adjustments throughout the year. That's part of the job or else you're not doing a good job in, in my opinion. So again, Bunting, Matthews, Marner are the only three that should be set in stone and they have been set in stone. Nothing's changed with that. Other guys have been getting opportunities throughout the second, third and fourth line in particular, the third and the fourth line. So Nylander at the fourth line, you know, I don't know how if I consider it long term because I do think eventually he will probably find his way back playing with Tavares in particular. I just think that this is something right now that Keith's trying to do to get people going in different ways, and especially Nylander who has been putting up the points, but it just feels like he hasn't been as effective as he was at the beginning of the year because at the beginning of the year there were a few games where he really stood out, like he was really a highlight. And I think he's doing a lot more quietly now over the course of the past couple of weeks. And I think that's also something that Leafs fans are starting to notice. So why not change it up a little bit? You don't have to stick with it. You can easily go back to it. But at the same time, you don't always have to keep it the same as well. So that's why I'm fine with it. And for me, it didn't really surprise me. And it didn't really bother me to be or to be quite frank. So that's why I'm fine with it. And it's always going to be interesting to see what he does going forward as well. You know, this can change in a matter of a day. This can change by Sunday. This can change by next week. And then even looking further, maybe in the playoffs, it's a lot different. So he's doing everything he can. And I think it was really noticeable too, especially a couple days ago against Arizona where he shortened the bench. I think Wayne Simmons pretty much got cut from ice time. I think even Nicholas Robertson sat for a bit too. So clearly as much as he's throwing the lines in a blender, he's still rearranging it and he could still revert it back to its original form 
throughout the game. And for William Nylander, as as much as he's or as long as he's playing well, he's going to be one of those guys that continue to play uh, later on in the games. You know, no matter it's with Tavares, maybe it's with Matthews a few times. We've seen you know Keith do the thing where he stacks all the the big three at the bottom or at the end of the period. So. You know, everything up is up for grabs, I think, and nothing's really final for that point and that reason in particular. So that's why I'm fine with it uh, for William Nylander being on the fourth line for now. Again, probably a good chance that doesn't stick for the rest of the year, which is also why it's fine for Sheldon Keefe. And I think Sheldon Keefe's doing his job and he has every right to entertain those options. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer in spreading out the depth throughout, you know, the offensive units. Uh, you know, that's how most Stanley Cup championship teams have done it. So I'm a fan of that recipe for success. But with that, let's go to the disaster last night against Arizona. Uh, Coyotes won 5-4 in overtime. This game was so frustrating because the second the puck was dropped, the Leafs' effort was just non-existent. Arizona was first to the puck. Like, they were battling for pucks. They were always in the corners, beating the Leafs to lose pucks in loose areas. The defense wasn't, you know, marking down the cover. It was just a disaster every sense you looked at it. And I remember, the f- like, almost the first play of the game, shot on Adam Morazic. Morazic looked like a brick wall, bounced right off him into the slot for a high-danger chance. Goes right back to the point, slap shot. Morazic makes a fantastic glove save. And here I'm thinking, like, okay, you know, as a goalie myself, you know, once you make that kind of save, you get the crowd into it, you kind of settle into a groove. But no, 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 no. Morazic did not do that. That was that was bad. Mrazek did not do that. Galchenyuk scored his fifth of the year literally right after that. Then Jacob Chikrin scored a muffin shot. Like, Mrazek, where was he? Where was Mrazek on this goal? He came out so far. And I respect as a goaltender, you know, a little – like, not a, he's not little, but, like, as a thinner goaltender, you know, he, you got to take up the angle and the space. So he really is aggressive in his approach like that. That's how Mrazek plays. But – Man, he got beat hard, not even looking to his left on the pass. And Chikrin had a wide-open cage, and Chikrin even fanned on the shot. Like I said, it was, a, it was a muffin. Like, this thing looked like curling. It was slowly gliding into the net, and it found its way past the goal line. And it was 2-0 Arizona, literally under five minutes in. And right, right after that, it was, just, it was just awful. Like, the Leafs' compete level was just not there. It was, you know, Arizona was just... Cha- the, Toronto, sorry, was just chasing the game after that. Then Travis Boyd scored to start the second period. When you think that, you know, you just had an intermission, maybe the Leafs are going to come out with some compete and some effort here. No, they still continue to get beat to the loose pucks. The Boyd goal was, you know, a perfect example of that. Puck was in the air. They had, like, six Maple Leafs in blue around the net, including Morazic. So you had all five guys surrounding the net, and Travis Boyd was still the guy that got a stick on it to put it into the net. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for Engvall giving that extra whack uh, after that goal, then, you know, this game probably doesn't have a comeback because this was just dead. The arena was quiet at 3 nothing. Uh, you know, being there in attendance, I was like, wow, like, there's no way this is happening. I was losing my mind. And, uh, you know, then Cody Fisher scores right after that. And it's – or, sorry, Christian Fisher. And after that, it was like, wow, 4-1 going into the third period. Like, it was tough. Morazic got pulled. Shalgren came in. Credit to him. Stick tap to Shalgren. He did pretty good in relief. But Kerfoot, you know, he came, shot from the top of the uh, point. Beauty, top corner. Uh, pulled the Leafs back within two. Then Matthews does what he always does. That was an absolute beautiful goal. Didn't count for the first bit until the horn blew down. I can confirm. I've 
I haven't celebrated for a goalie down a long time. <laughs> Let's just say that. And then Nylander, literally 10 seconds after, the arena was erupting. The roof was about to explode. It was loud. Lee fans were going nuts. Like, it was just an awesome experience. Then we go to overtime. The Leafs battled back for a point. You know, respect to that. But Jacob Chikrin in overtime, holding the stick. That was a dirty play. Jacob Chikrin knew exactly what he was doing. Whistles were away in overtime. And he was holding the stick. And it really messed up Matthews in terms of puck possession. And uh, it was just not a, not a hockey play. I know a lot of people are using that term. Hockey play. Oh, it's a hockey. No, no, no. That is some old mindset. That is a clear penalty all day long. And, you know, that really ruined the game. And, yes, I get that Matthews could have made more of the play. Matthews did kind of make it look like it was a sell. But, no. Like, if you go back and rewatch that, put it in slow motion, do whatever you want to do, that is a clear hold of the stick by every means of the definition. And it was absolutely frustrating. This whole game in general is frustrating until the Leafs run of three goals in the third period. After that, it was just just one of those nights where it's like, you know, people made jokes before the game. This is a Leafs game to lose. Like, I'm so sick and tired of, you know, the Leafs are playing a lower comp, uh, lower comp, a lower team in terms of competition. And fans are like, oh, well, the Leafs are going to lose this one tonight. And it, it just somehow happens. Like, how? And it's just so frustrating because, you know, I have such high hopes for this team. But then we have nights like this over and over and over. And we did not beat the Arizona Coyotes this year. Take that in. So, you know, it's certainly frustrating. But, uh, Bryson, let's send it to you before we get to our guest on the show here. Uh, we can tell my tone of my voice here. Extremely exhausted of this kind of stuff. Extremely annoyed. How about yourself? Well, I think the problem, too, that adds on to this kind of fuel to the fire is – you had the same situation and the same problem with Columbus, with Seattle and Arizona. These are three teams that you are much better than on paper, much better than overall, and you pretty much should be beating them without any, any hesitation. So I think that's probably the boiling point because we've seen it happen two other times throughout the week. But in this case, they actually did lose. And, you know, the way they lost too, it just, yeah, it was a flat effort, I think, from the start. And then I think as the game went on, you know, they showed signs of fight. You know, I think at one point their, their uh, deserved winometer was at almost at 80%. So, you know, it got to a point where you felt like the Leafs kind of maintained control or got back into it and were in control. And then they found, they found a way to really make it disappointing. But they got a point out of it, I guess, which is fine. But, I mean, Peter Morazic, we, we spoke about the goalie problems like throughout the last couple of weeks. We spoke about it a lot today. At least I've mentioned it. But, yeah, today – or, sorry, this Coyote game in particular was really bad. And you were there to see it. You know, the goals he was letting in, the rebounds he was pretty much allowing. It's just, you don't, that shouldn't be happening from an NHL goaltender. And, you know, for this guy to be under contract for three years, you know, it's really putting the Leafs in a bad spot. And then, of course, you get the news of Jack Campbell, uh, where he's going to be up for a couple weeks. You pull Peter Morazic, and you just wonder, like, is this team going to be okay without Jack Campbell as much as he's been struggling just as much? And there was just, Major concerns, and you can tell Sheldon Keefe was also uh, a little disappointed, pretty much saying this was Peter Morazic's opportunity to come in, and uh, he didn't get the job done, and he was also disappointed in him for that. So that's where I look at it from, and of course, there was massive issues um, in overtime, but before that, yes, the Leafs got back into it, which you do give them credit for, because at one point, you know, it just it felt normal, and everything, you know the world is getting back to normal when there's a Leafs revenge tour going on with former players scoring. I mean, you have... 
uh, Galchenyuk, like you said, and of course you have Travis Boyd scoring as well. Two former players. Nick Ritchie gets a win against his former team. So of course, you know, it, it's such a Leaf thing to happen. You know, it's a Leafs thing for some reason, and that's really pretty much what it comes down to. But again, they got back into it from a Kerfoot goal, um, Matthews, of course, and then Nylander. So Matthews putting on more more goals and goals, and then we get to the point in overtime because those three goals obviously tied the game, sending it to overtime. And that's where the issue came. And, you know, as much as this happened to Matthews, it also happened another particular play that I remember was the Edmonton game a couple days prior to that. or might have been the night before when Zach Hyman was held or pretty much hooked. Kind of similar, actually, to what happened to Matthews. And the same thing happened. There was no call. And there was a lot of backlash that happened. And I understand that the refs are trying to put the whistle away and letting things play out. But when it's blatantly obvious like that, you have to intervene in some sort of way. And that's pretty much the result of what happened with Austin Matthews. I mean, he gets hooked, and then all of a sudden he loses possession. They go down, and they score, and that's pretty much the end of it. But Austin Matthews, you know, very vocal, as he had every right to be, pretty frustrated. It was an emotional game for him overall. And even going back to his goal that, you know, counted after 10 seconds where the, whole, the horn went off and they finally looked at it. You know, they were showing him on the bench. He was really fired up for that. And, um, you know, first of all, too, I thought it was really obvious that it went in right away from the TV, but... I guess not. And, of course, it translated in overtime, you know, him absolutely losing his mind on the refs. Rightfully so, though, in my opinion. And it's been a worldwide – or not a league-wide issue, sorry. And I think it's going to be, you know, one of the hot topics of conversation at the upcoming GM meetings. You have to imagine that's going to be coming up uh, when those meetings take place. So it's been an issue not just for the Leafs league-wide. In particular, this year, for some reason, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the refs have changed about their philosophy of how they're going to try and – uh, manage a game especially later on in overtime like this can't be happening in overtime and you know the fact that the refs are at a cur- the, the way it is at the current state it really makes you get freaked out for what could potentially happen in the playoffs and we all know that's going to completely times two in terms of backlash in terms of criticism so they got to clean this up really fast because as much as it costed the Leafs to win which it did this isn't just a Leafs issue this is now moving into a league issue so We'll see what happens with that, but unfortunately, the, Le- the Leafs lose because of that. Um, an unfortunate set of circumstances that have happened in overtime, and really, it happened right after the turnover. So it was pretty much bang bang, and that was the game. So you know, just to cap off the week for the Leafs, though, uh, as they head into the outdoor game on Sunday, back and forth games with teams that they should have won, and the boiling point was pretty much this past Thursday when the same thing happened in Arizona, but this time they unfortunately didn't get the two points. Yeah, it was a very interesting week. That's just how I'm going to describe it. But, you know, what else is interesting here in Leafland? And this seems completely normal. But with that, it's time to introduce our guest who is calling into the show, Mike Pantalone, host of the Battleborn Reds podcast here at Battleborn Fan Talk. Mike Pantalone, welcome to the show. Uh, Tell me first, what is your thoughts on the Arizona game last night? Yeah, thanks, Josh. I'm just going to go on a quick little rant here and just say, how do you let Arizona score five goals against you? Like, I don't care how bad your goaltending, your defense is. It's Arizona. I understand they've been on a hot streak to score like eight, nine goals the last couple of games, but those were against like Ottawa and Detroit. Like, that was like that was just a brutal display. They're like all – they got completely outplayed by the Arizona Coyotes. It's terrible. <laughs> And like all, all those former players, the Leaf players, just destroyed them. Galchenyuk, like you, like you said earlier, Foza. Uh, Boyd. 
Boyd, Travis Boyd, and also Phil Kessel was there too. He almost got a goal too in the overtime. <laughs> it was just, it was just awful. They were just behind the whole game. Obviously, they trail, trailing. They tied the game, made the overtime. And I just want to talk about that last goal, the holding. Obviously, it was holding, but Matthews just completely out of the play there. He was not back checking on that. He could have easily went to Jacob Chicken and stopped the play. Like I don't want to hear any selfie trophy talk after that play. And like after this game, I just want to see like it just makes me nervous for the playoffs because these are teams you should be beating. Like how are you going to compete in the playoffs? And this year especially, it's going to be even tougher. Every team in the Eastern Conference is tough this year in a playoff spot. Like this just makes me really nervous. Get off my show. <laughs> Get off my show. What did I just hear about Austin Matthews and the Selkie? Are you kidding me? One poor play in overtime and you want to destroy him from that award? Get out of here. What is that? Okay, look. You know, I cannot believe you just, like, just blatantly took a shot at my boy, Austin Matthews. And you know what? Then you went on to bring up the playoffs too, so you continue to kick us while we're down. So you know what? To get back at you guys, well, you because I'm categorizing you and like all the fans in Edmonton that are all saying, "Oh, Dry said," and making fun of this Leafs in the playoffs league wide. To everybody listening right now, I'm willing to die, Mike. I'm gonna make this bet with you personal. I'm going to die on the hill with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I'm saying this: if the Leafs do not make it out of the first round, I will dye my hair. I will dye my hair if the Leafs do not make it out of this first round. Mike, this is a personal bet with you. We'll have you back on the episode coming soon on what your side of the bet is going to be. But I cannot believe you, after everything number 34 has done for the Maple Leafs this season, in terms of offense, in terms of defense, both ways, and you want to strip him from that award because of one lousy play in overtime. And yes... I get it. He was more focused on the ref and him missing that call. But come on. Come on. Like, this team is nowhere near where they are without Austin Matthews. And I cannot believe you just said strip that award from him. That is awful. And I'm telling you right now, the Maple Leafs are going to make it out of the first round. I guarantee you. Posey, you know I've been saying that since the first episode we've ever dropped. And, uh, you know, I think it's time to send it over to you now because uh, I'm sure you're going to want to crack at uh, – what we're talking about right now. So, Pozo, your turn. Well, just to start things off, definitely an interesting phone call. Thanks, Mike, for the call. Uh, looking forward to the next Battleborn Reds podcast. Um, look, I didn't really think of it like that from when it actually happened with Matthews not backtracking. I think, you know, emotional, dri- emotionally driven, he was caught up in the play, caught up with the ref, rightfully so. And then I think I look at it from a domino effect. If the call's made... Nothing, you know, there's no goal from that actual play. So that's where I look at it from. But, I mean, it's, I guess it's an argument. And, of course, the thing that you also mentioned with the playoffs, I've been with you the entire time. Josh, you know this as well. I've been the most pessimistic one about the playoffs in particular. And, of course, I am nervous. Of course, especially, you know, with the goaltending problems that we've experienced, definitely not helping. And um, especially defensively, too, the breakdowns that we've had since Christmas. You know, a lot of it isn't helping. So, We'll see what happens, like that. Uh, what pretty much happens from there. We know that the deadline is coming up. Kyle Dubas expected to be active for maybe a couple more moves. I'm not expecting him to make a ton, but he definitely needs to make a couple. And the goaltending one is definitely an interesting one that maybe will change things because of the Jack Campbell injury. So, you know, but again, 
this refing problem that the league is experiencing, it needs to be cleaned up fast. And I think once it does clean up, then we're not having these conversations about oh, Austin Matthews should have backchecked. Austin Matthews should have backchecked, or you know, he shouldn't be a, he shouldn't have been focused on the ref. Once that's cleaned up, we all know it's not happening. That's my the way I've always looked at everything is a domino effect. If there's no call there, then guess what? Austin Matthews isn't yapping at the ref. And again, Arizona doesn't score that way in overtime. I'm not saying they wouldn't. Have, they may have scored a different way, but it probably would have been proper at, at that point. And that was the most frustrating point is the way they lost and how they lost and the team they lost to and then the teams that they've struggled to beat this week and pretty much the past couple weeks overall. That's where I agree with you about the concern about the playoffs. And that's always been a, pretty much a narrative throughout the entire fan base. But at right right now also, you know, we're just in the m- middle of March now. There's still a good chunk of the season to go. And as far as I'm concerned, in terms of seeding, nothing's determined yet. I mean, things can go really good for the Leafs or things can go bad where they fall out of an Atlantic spot and they're a wild card team or it can go the other way and they can catch teams like Tampa or Florida. So as much as that narrative of the playoffs is always a concern, we need to get there first and we need to settle things first in terms of the seeding as well. And make sure the Leafs don't fall down too much on the Sands because, you know, there's teams behind them. Boston's really close to them, but they're also really close to Florida and they're also really close to Tampa. So there's lots to be determined here. And uh, that's going to be a topic that comes up inevitably once April hits. And I'm looking forward to that conversation. Josh, I really hope that you're right about this one. I know you've been saying it's from the start about them in the first round. I still need to see it to believe it. But again, if you're going to be optimistic about it, it is the most optimistic you've been pretty much out of all years. Maybe that's a sign, and maybe that's way a way for me to get you know convinced in some sort of way. But again, seeing is believing for me. You know, as we wrap up the end of this episode, I'm just going to I'm still not done talking about what Mike came on our show to say. So Mike, I know you're listening to this, and I'm waiting for chapter two of you coming on this podcast because you want to strip this selkie away from 34. Okay, look, this is just going to be the end of the episode. We're going to have a special Heritage uh, Classic episode coming to you guys uh, this weekend as well. But but look at this. So, Matthews, 61 takeaways this year. Everybody's favorite, Connor McDavid, 48. Leon Dreisaitl, 41. Guess about the giveaways. McDavid, 52. Everybody's favorite, Leon Dreisaitl, 66. Austin Matthews, 37. Find me a guy in the league that has numbers like that. Oh, you want to talk about shots blocked too and effort defensively, right, Mike? You want to talk about effort defensively? Well, guess what? McDavid, 20. 20. Dreisaitl, 15. Austin Matthews, 42. He like doubled them both. So come back to this show because now I'm anxious and I'm sure the listeners are going to love this controversy. I'm looking forward to part two. We'll have it next week. That's all from me and Poza this week uh like i said we're having a special episode for you guys coming this weekend thank you all for listening bryson any last words you want to say to the listeners very excited for the heritage classic um the trade deadline's coming up i can't wait to see the more you know as the rumors pick up and pick up mark andre flurry josh i know you're all over those rumors that's where i will I'll, I'll end it there yes stay tuned with the socials and this podcast we will keep you guys updated throughout it all 10 days away at the time of this recording. We are so excited and we can't wait to see what's coming. But uh, for all you guys that enjoyed today's episode, and if you want to see more of Mike and his absolute mind-blowing hot takes, uh, feel free to reach out to us and uh, you know give us some feedback because it's always appreciated. And uh, 
we love you guys and we'd love to hear from you guys and anybody that ever wants to come on the show let us know because we would love to have you so that's all from us uh go leafs go and you know we're looking forward to sunday thank you for listening